0: It was during that hot stretch of summer that Miss Lula fell victim to the strangest sickness I'd ever seen on a person. As in an instant she had gone from her normal position beside the curtain window with her needlework in her lap to one of pure anguish doubled over on the floor. It had only been minutes since I'd checked on her when her cries rang out as delicate as the mouse whose squeaks we'd hear echo throughout the halls at night. I did swear she was one of those creatures as I found her shivering helplessly like a rodent trapped inside the corner and me with the broom in my hand. This is G.P. Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today I'm talking to Edward A. Farmer, author of Pale, which takes place in Mississippi in the late 1960s when African-American descendants of slaves are limited in their abilities to get an education, and find meaningful work. For an abandoned young wife, the choices are even fewer. Bernice goes to work for a white family on their cotton plantation, where she encounters a house filled with secrets, illness, and unhappy relationships. In gorgeous prose, Farmer tells a slowly bubbling, heartbreaking story about how a family and a household can be infected by more than a virus. Hi, Edward. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Galit, for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: So how and why did you come to write this novel?
1: Yes. The idea for Pale came to me in a dream. I was actually laid off from my job and had nothing but time to write. And so I actually um, spent a lot of time writing short stories. And one night I had a dream And it was a very vivid dream of a Black woman who worked for a white family, and they treated her meanly. And that's all I had at first. And so I woke up the next day, and I started to write. And the first day, I wrote 3,000 words. The next day, I wrote 3,000 words. And in a month, I had a novel.
0: That's amazing. (laughs) Wait, can I ask, what were you working at
1: before... Yes, yeah, so I had a job uh, in social services and I still work in social services. Uh, at the time, I was laid off from my job. And for a year and a half, I toiled around writing short stories and trying to find new employment. And it, it felt like the perfect opportunity to try to write something bigger. And Pale came from that.
0: Mm. So, Mississippi, uh, that particular, the South, is very important. Can you talk about the importance of place?
1: Yes. So I'm actually from Memphis, uh, and I spent a lot of time in Mississippi because my dad's family is from Greenwood, Mississippi. So when this, uh, when this dream came to me and I started to write, I immediately knew where I wanted this story to take place. And I knew it would be Greenwood, Mississippi, because for uh, those of you who don't know, Greenwood, Mississippi, the slogan is actually the cotton capital, uh, cotton capital of the world. And that meant a lot to me uh, from my childhood uh, of seeing that sign all the time. And so I knew that I wanted to write a story about Mississippi.
0: Well, wait a second. This isn't on my list of questions, but when, uh, if your family, father's family is still there, do some of them uh, recognize characters or do they think it was written about them?
1: (laughs) It's funny because uh, I feel that um, when a family reads uh, a book, something that you've written, they think everything is about them. And so I've had experiences where um, some of my aunts have said, this is about this person. And I say, no, it's not about any particular person. But uh, I have taken a lot of uh, pleasure in the fact that people have recognized certain places, certain elements of Greenwood, Mississippi. And that's been very nice to see.
0: Mm. Pale, your title, can refer to several characters. What are your thoughts?
1: Yes. Uh, with the title, the title Pale meant a lot to me because uh, I wanted to reflect a story that was about how we can go easily go from being good to bad. And I chose the title Pale because a pale color is a color that can take on other colors easily. And for me that title really resonated with the characters in the novel because so many of them, they don't start out bad, but the circumstances from others cause them to do uh, bad things to others. And so they're just like that pale color where they can take on other colors and other attributes easily.
0: Mm. So your protagonist is Bernice. She introduces herself by talking about how her husband left to start a better life for them and how he never came back. Why does she accept her brother's offer to join him in Mississippi?
1: I feel that Bernice is a character who, she's very headstrong. So uh, when, when we're first introduced to Bernice, we're introduced to someone who may appear to be helpless because her husband has left and she's all alone. But when she first arrives to the plantation, she's actually very headstrong and she's told by her brother to leave those thoughts outside of the plantation and to not bring it with her. And so I believe that she actually goes to work uh, on the plantation because, as she says in the story, she is naturally uh, made to serve. Now, that the idea of servitude is very interesting because um, where she is in a position of serving the family, she's also in a bigger capacity uh, serving the people around her. And she is a symbol of hope in a lot of ways because she is there uh, trying to make things better for everyone around her.
0: Yeah, she is. When she shows up, why does her brother warn her about Silva, the housekeeper?
1: Yes. Silva is in many ways a foil to Bernice. So in Bernice, we see a lot of Uh, compassion, someone who is really trying to make the best of her situation. And with Silva, I believe that idea of the sense of goodness is there, but Silva is already hardened. Silva has been in the house for so long that she has adapted the ways of the house. And Bernice is very different. Bernice has not become so hardened at the beginning. And I believe that Floyd knows that. And he doesn't articulate it, but he's able to see it and try to keep his sister away from, uh, from someone who is already so hardened. However, it's really difficult because it's not, uh, it's not Silva who's necessarily and responsible for herself being hardened. It's the house and the circumstances of that house.
0: Mm-hmm. Specifically, the mistress of the house, Miss Lula. She, yes. Her physical condition plays a huge role. Can you talk about her? What's wrong with her? Yes. So, Miss
1: Lula suffers from spells. She has spells that um, is part epilepsy, and it's part her own venge- uh, vengeance and hatefulness that is causing such a physical decline in her health. And I, I knew I wanted a character who, um, both mentally and physically, was on the decline, because I really do believe that um, hatred and vengefulness, it takes its toll on us. Uh, just like stress can in a, in a normal person's body, there are physical uh, ailments physical that come from too much stress. I believe that there are physical ailments that can come from um, constantly participating in negative, uh, vengeful actions. And so uh, I actually grew up in a house with my mom who has uh, seizures. And so I knew what it's like to see a person have uh, have a seizure, to have an episode. And I also wanted to connect that to her mental health as well.
0: That was really interesting when that started happening. Do, do you consider her husband, Mr. Kern, and the owner of the place to be a good person?
1: I do. I do. I Actually, each character has so much goodness in them. And a part of my journey as a... Uh, the author of this book, was to try to find that goodness. And uh, some characters show their goodness more than others. Some uh, are less hardened. So uh, Bernice is less hardened than Silva. Uh, Silva may be less hardened than the missus of the house. And I feel that Mr. Kern uh, falls into that category where there's so much goodness about him. And I don't don't believe that anyone starts off being uh, bad and they're not uh, shrouded by darkness. But um, Mr. Kern, um, being caught up in his circumstance, has slowly become a very quiet, hardened person. And I believe that Bernie spots something unusual in him the first time she meets him because uh, she says that she's never met a white man who um, has uh, has been so nice to uh, a Negro Um and they don't know them. They don't have a reason to be nice mm-hmm. to them. And so I believe that uh, she spots that bit of goodness in him from the beginning, even though he's a quiet, reserved man. Mm hmm.
0: Can you discuss the importance of cotton to the story? It's the product on which the household's finances rely.
1: Yes. Cotton is very important uh, to the household as as it was to the area in general. So in in telling a story about Mississippi, I knew that cotton would be a part of it. It was a big part of my childhood. Uh, I passed by the cotton fields uh, all the time uh, with my father. And both my parents worked the cotton fields. Uh, They also, you know, went to school and had regular lives, but they would also work the cotton fields for extra income. And so for me, cotton was always a part of my life. And as I started to write, I thought about how uh, as a child, I would see the cotton as something that was beautiful and something that I saw with very innocent eyes. And as I got older, I could see my parents and I heard their stories and they saw the cotton differently and it was from their experiences. And so I knew I wanted to tell a story about the land and about cotton in particular and how uh, when we're younger or with uh, more innocent eyes depending on our experiences, we experience it in different ways.
0: Mm-hmm. It's the 1960s, 70s. Um, and the servants are living in abject poverty. They have very little, they're, they're fed. They live on the, you know, on the housing, the little shacks by the house. Why does it feel to them like slavery still exists? This is a, this is a big one.
1: Yes. I believe it's, it's this idea of what, in, uh, what counts as slavery. Um, are our circumstances slavery? And I believe that although no one holds them down, they're still trapped by their circumstances in the world and in that house. And I believe that for uh, many um, African-Americans in the sixties um, and here my mom's stories about uh, growing up, there was a feeling of, of being trapped. And although no one's physically holding you down, they're not keeping you in your position. What opportunities are really available to you? And so um, I think for the servants in the house, although they can leave the house, they need to return. There's a need to return because they have to have income to survive. And there are not many opportunities for African-Americans other than work in the fields. So although they're not slaves, they're still slaves to their circumstances.
0: Mm-hmm. Mr. Curran loves Silva. That becomes clear. Why does Silva, who doesn't love him, continue to work there instead of taking her family and going somewhere else.
1: Yes. Silva is very interesting. Um, Parts of Silva slowly emerge uh, during the novel uh, over the course of the novel. And I think we see a good glimpse into Silva's life and her, her poverty when Bernice uh, goes to her house for dinner. So uh, Bernice meets uh, Silva at the house and immediately Bernice is struck by the poverty of this house, but she's also struck by the love in the house. So the love comes through in uh, photos, photographs she sees, and just uh, Silva's cooking alone shows her love and how much she cares for her family. And I believe that that's an important part of the story is that Silva has so much love in her heart, and she's able to show that love outside of the house. but. When she's in the house, she's not able to show that love because that love does not exist. And I feel that Silva is trapped. Like so many characters, uh, even Miss Lula, uh, even Miss Lula is trapped in this house and trapped with the memories uh, that the house brings. I feel that Silva is trapped as well. And we, we start to feel for Silva in her, uh, in her captivity.
0: Let's talk about the house for a second. This, it plays a big role. There's this constant renovation going on, and it's aggravating to Mr. Kern, and, and uh, Miss Lula does it on purpose to upset him. What's going on with that house?
1: Yes. The house is ever-changing. Uh, I feel that just like the individual characters, the house is also undergoing a process of trying to become better. Uh, it's trying to <laughs> it's trying to shed the past. It's trying to uh, rid itself of uh, of some of the evilness uh, that's that's taken over it. And we constantly see a shift and a change in the house. Uh, the missus uses these changes, as you said, to anger and aggravate Mr. Kern. She wants to make his life miserable. But I think a, a small part of that is that she actually wants to see the house. Uh, be good, to return to some of its former glory. And I think when we see Jesse uh, work within the house, there's a sense of pride that comes with that. And it's amazing to see how the house, how simple housework is able to return that sense of pride in him. And so I I believe that the house undergoes a change just like the characters around it or within it.
0: Right. So Jesse is Sylvie's eldest son. Why does he let himself get taken in by the missus's promises?
1: I believe at first there is an initial curiosity. Um, It's described as uh, he he knows beauty and uh, the missus is a beautiful woman. And so he knows beauty, but he also knows not to stare at a white woman for too long. And so I believe that there is an initial curiosity that intrigues him about the missus. And then I believe that from there, once she takes interest in him, once the missus shows that she believes that he can do more than field work, she believes that he belongs inside the house, that he's made for more. And so that that spark of someone showing interest and and actually giving you a leg up and saying that you're not going to work the fields like everyone else. You're better. You're special. I believe he runs with it and he feels so much joy in the simple idea of being inside the home and doing something different and doing something that can last because the work on the house, it outlasts each of the characters. And so I believe he wanted to be a part of that.
0: Well, what about his brother, Fletcher?
1: Yes, Fletcher is actually, uh, I describe him as my favorite character. Uh, having written the novel, each character holds a special place in my heart. But Fletcher, uh, from the moment I started to write, I knew that his story would uh, would resonate within me because his story is a story of uh, search for identity. Uh, whereas Jesse is searching for his identity, Fletcher's search for identity is slightly different. It's been... It's been impacted by so many people around him and he's fighting within himself and with the uh, the outside world to try to make his presence known and to know who he is. And so from the moment I started to write, I knew that Fletcher was an interesting character. And for the majority of the story, for me, it all comes back to Fletcher uh, because there are long periods where Fletcher is not in the story. And uh, things are happening on his behalf all around him, but it still comes back to Fletcher.
0: Mm -hmm. And Bernice has a special relationship with Fletcher too, kind of like like an auntie.
1: Yes. Bernice takes a special, uh, she, she grabs a hold to Fletcher quickly and I thought a lot about this when I was writing uh, the connection that she has with Fletcher. And it reminded me a lot of uh, growing up. I had so many strong women around me who, when my mom wasn't present when I was in their company, they were my mom. And for me, my aunt who uh, Bernice reflects a lot of my aunt. Uh, I have an aunt who uh, just retired from the Memphis public library system and She was the one who made me love writing from a young age. Uh, She had me reading every summer, uh, participating in the reading challenges, uh, always with a book in my hand and always willing to talk to me about the book. And so the lessons that Bernice gives to Fletcher are very similar to the lessons or how I would imagine my aunt would give me those lessons if I were in Fletcher's uh, predicament. And so Fletcher and Bernice they form this really tight bond. And it, it's, it's really interesting to watch it develop over the course of the novel.
0: hmm I meant to ask why aren't Bernice and Silva friends?
1: I believe that Bernice and Silva could be friends outside of the house. I believe that within the house, they're not friends because they see the world differently. And it puts them at odds because Silva is so hardened to her situation. And she's also hardened to the missus and Mr. Kern to an extent. She approaches, uh, she approaches her circumstance in a very confrontational manner. Whereas Bernice is still hopeful that she can change the lives of everyone around her, not just Fletcher and Jesse and Silva. Bernice believes that there's still hope. And there's still an opportunity for the missus to return to good. And Silva has given up on that a long time ago. So they cannot be friends within the house. But we do get a small spark when they're outside of the home together and we see them enjoying each other's company.
0: Hmm. Bernice tells the story as though it happened in the, in the past. Does she ultimately learn something about herself?
1: I believe Bernice learns a great deal. Um, Bernice refuses to leave the plantation because she says she knows when the time is right. And I believe that she knows that uh, she'll know when that time is right because she has to learn as well. She gives so many lessons to those around her. Um, She's given lessons to Silva. She's given lessons to Jesse, to Fletcher, but she's also learning about herself and uh, this is a woman who has just lost her husband. She doesn't know if he's alive or dead. All she knows is that he left, and he left with all of their money. And because of that, she's left alone. And the Bernice we see at the beginning of the novel is different from the Bernice at the end. The Bernice at the end has gone through this very hard ordeal that takes place over about, I think, five to six years. Um, and she's changed in so many ways, and she's she's seen herself change uh, because she acknowledges it uh, when she's with her sil uh, her sister Gloria. She acknowledges the changes that have taken place within her, and I believe by the end she's able to um, have gained a lesson uh, that allows her to uh, to move on uh, mentally from that captivity. Mm-hmm.
0: Edward, do you want your readers to see this as a distinctly African-American story?
1: I don't think so. I think Pale is a universal story. And it's universal in the sense that circumstances, they they impact us all. And we're all shaped and challenged by the circumstances around us. And I don't believe that anyone starts out uh, inherently bad, but I believe that we... um, we react to the situations that happen to us. And so just as the African-American characters in the story struggle, the, the white characters are in a struggle just as serious and just as hard. And they each have good within them. And so it's a universal story of captivity because the missus, as we discussed earlier, the missus is trapped within this house. Uh, I believe it's described as a princess within a tower. So whereas she is a princess within a tower, the African-American characters, they may not be uh, in a tower. They may be in uh, shacks in the back of the house, but they're trapped as well. And they're not slaves, but they're slaves to their cap- uh, to their circumstances. And the white characters are slaves to the circumstances around them as well.
0: Hmm. So it was a wonderful, beautifully written book. Thank you. There was a lot of- poetry to it. You, um, you write a lot about the, the heat, the summer. I felt the heat and there's a lot of lemonade being served, which I loved. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it was just a lovely, beautiful, and it's your first novel. I, I can't wait to see what's, what's happening next. What are you working on now?
1: Yes, I am currently writing a new, a new novel and it's with my agent. So, Uh, Hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, we get some good editorial notes on it. Um, But it's a novel that takes place in West Memphis, Arkansas. Um, I really do love writing about the South and uh, trying to capture the South that I came to know and love as a child. And so this new novel takes place in West Memphis, Arkansas, just across the bridge from Memphis, Tennessee. So I tell people I'm getting closer to Memphis, closer to a story uh, that takes place in my hometown uh, but this story takes place in West Memphis, Arkansas, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, another thing that I want to let people know, uh, let all readers know, is uh, I love during this time um, that fans will just connect with me on social media. That's I, That's been a great part of this process is connecting with uh, every reader uh, who wants to reach out and send a message or just follow me on my Instagram at Edward A. Farmer or on Facebook at Edward A. Farmer. Uh, and also connect uh, on my website at com.
0: Okay. I just lost you. I can't hear you right now.
1: Oh, can you hear me now?
0: Okay, now I can. Oh, okay. okay, I think I think that that's all there. And um, I could put it in the written part as well. Yes. So uh, I hope lots of people follow you. And uh, we're all curious about the next book. I've never even been to those states. So yes. <laughs> I have to- I know. <laughs> Reading. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me today. Happy writing. Thank
1: you so much, Galit, for having me. And I'm so grateful to the, um, I'm so sorry. Oh, well. The new books network. It? Yes. I was, I wrote it down and then I forgot. <laughs> okay. Yes.
0: Thank you. And thank you for joining me again. This is GP Gottlieb, author of the whipped and Sipped mystery series and host, for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today I've been talking with Edward Farmer, author of Pale. If you enjoyed today's podcast and would like to discuss it further with me and other New Book Network listeners, please join us on Shuffle. Shuffle is an ad-free, invite-only network focused on the creativity community. As New Book Network listeners, You can get special access to conversations with a dynamic community of writers and literary enthusiasts. Sign up by going to www.shuffle.do forward slash nbn forward slash join.